From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the big event, and welcome back, Heather Knight. Hey, it's good to be back. You have been gone a while, and I have felt in the podcast space unmoored. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I can return and team up with you once again. Yeah, this is a Total SF episode, and we're coming back strong with Eric Kingsbury and talk about the 49-mile drive. I like this kid, Heather. Yeah, and kid is the right word, even though that makes us sound really old. He's a mere 30. He lives in the marina. (laughs) He um, is active in local politics, active on social media. He's just out and about in San Francisco. And a few weeks ago, he did the unthinkable. He walked the entire 49-mile drive in one day. Yeah, he got up very early, went very late. It was uh, quite an adventure. Yes, you'll hear um, more about it shortly. There was some poison oak. There was a coyote meeting. There was way too long on Cesar Chavez Avenue. There were some down points. Yeah, it was basically like it was like a bingeable eight part Netflix (laughs) series. Um, We had talked about after Total Muni when we rode every bus in one day, 49 mile drive being something that we might tackle. And I think this is our opportunity. I think so. We're getting excited about it. I think uh, you'll hear more news about this in the coming weeks, but we are going to do the 49-mile anything-but drive. We will not be in a car. We're still arguing about how much of this we can walk. Peter is more confident in my ability to walk <laughs> many, 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 many miles in one day than I am. Yeah, I uh, I want to walk it, but actually, after talking to Eric, I realize I'm never going to convince you to walk the whole thing, <laughs> but we will travel these 49 miles. Um, this is going to be kind of a project, maybe down the line find a better 49 mile path it's pretty clear from eric's experience that um this is not the best 49 miles in san francisco yeah so i think you're really going to enjoy the interview um wanted to end with a few things really quick city insider uh it's it's like i think city insider is a great compliment for this podcast yeah it's more of the serious side of um getting the city's leaders be it businessmen, politicians, advocates, social service workers in the hot seat. I ask them serious questions and then we get to a lightning round and I always ask them what is their favorite burrito. And rate and review. Um, I have not stressed this in previous podcasts. And then somebody actually saw my ratings and was like, you don't have a lot of people listening to your podcast. So I'm going to start doing that. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen and subscribe to The Chronicle. Yep, it's at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. We need your support to do our journalism and these podcasts. We're your concierge for culture in the Bay Area. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to The Big Event. Welcome back, Heather Knight. Hey, it's good to be back. And welcome, Eric Kingsbury. Welcome to The Chronicle. Thanks. It's great to be here. You're someone who we immediately noticed, Eric. Um, I noticed you on Twitter. I know you've been around San Francisco for a while doing wonderful things, but for the 49-mile drive. And uh, we're going to talk about the 49-mile drive. You, You walked it? I decided to walk it in one day. Yeah. In one day. That's the type of thing that Heather and I just absolutely love. Yes, we're cra- we do crazy stuff like that, and we wanted to know why you did a, this crazy thing. Yeah, uh. but I, I wanted to start a little bit earlier even. Um, you must have a pretty strong dedication to San Francisco to want to walk it for 16 hours? Yeah, uh, almost 17. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do, you, do you have uh, generations that go back? Are you a relative newcomer? 
So I am, I wouldn't say I'm new to the city. I've been here since about 2011, but uh, my family's been in the Bay Area going back to, oh God, uh, the late 18th century, actually. So long, long way. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up actually in the Santa Cruz Mountains in a little town called Ben Lomond. Oh yeah. Uh, We know Ben Lomond. Oh, everyone knows Ben Lomond. It's just, it's a bustling metropolis. (laughs) Uh, It's even got a sign these days. Whoa. (laughs) I know. We've got a stoplight. Uh, but my entire family is from San Jose, uh, going back, way, way back. Uh, my, my grandmother, actually, uh, her family, they were uh, original Spanish settlers oh, wow. uh, in the San Jose area, the Berryessa family. So deep ties to the Bay Area. In fact, I was the first person in something like 15 generations to not grow up in San Jose. And, um, and you live in the city now, though. But I do live in the city now, yeah. I live in the marina. Uh, I've been in the marina since 2013. Uh, and I. What brought you here originally? You know, I always loved the city. So I came here a lot growing up. Um, I used to, we used to come up for Giants games, but uh, the big thing was uh, my dad was a huge K-Fog listener. And <laughs> I think uh, those of us that have been here long enough remember classic K-Fog uh, with Dave Morey and Peter Finch yeah. and uh, on the morning show. And so we'd always come up for the K-Fog kabooms. And I remember for me, it was always, I'd always get this like, sense of excitement when we could finally get to uh, 104.5 uh, and you could act and it wasn't just static because <laughs> nice. uh, it meant that we were about to hit the city and then you'd see the you know welcome to South San Francisco City of Industry sign and it was just always something that uh, like the, the fog and something about it always just felt kind of magical so I remember just loving coming up here and just spending time either uh, down at KFOG concerts which were down at the waterfront years ago um, or a ton of time out in the sunset. Uh, my grandmother got me a membership to the zoo, so we'd come up regularly and stay at this terrible roach motel called Roberts <laughs> uh-huh. that was something like $40 a night and had holes in the mattress and definitely cockroaches. Uh, and you didn't get a television, which I remember being the big thing that was so obnoxious. Uh, but we'd go to the zoo, and then we'd spend the night there, and then we'd uh, take the Muni, the long ride in, so she could go shopping at uh, Union Square. Nice. Yeah. nice. Well, first of all, R.I.P. OG K-Fog. I know. It still exists, yeah. but um, Peter Finch, Dave Morey, uh, Renee, and Webster. Did you ever go on K-Fog? No, I never did. It, it was delightful. They'd uh, bring you in there. They had records. It was like the last radio station I went to that had actual albums that you could pull out on the wall. They had the little, like, really old school, um, the the control with the cough button, mm-hmm. and they'd tell you how to use the cough button. Um, and really nice I people. I want a cough button. Yeah, we don't have a cough button. Well, we th- just cough and maybe <laughs> edit it out. The thing that I remember that was so cool about KFOG, it was like the first time that I had ever really heard a politician go on a radio show. And the fact that uh, Gavin Newsom had to do a, or didn't have to, but that KFOG had enough of a listenership that Gavin Newsom would do a weekly show where he'd go in and people would call in and actually ask him informed questions. Uh, anyone that's you both are familiar with the classic San Francisco Q&A yeah. where oh, yeah. you don't know where the questions are coming from. And oftentimes in podcasts, it'll get cut. Yeah. But it was always so crazy to me that they would go in and that many people were listening that he just had this regular show. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And last kind of getting to know you question. Mm-hmm. This is feeling like a job interview. I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> intend it to. We're about to hire you. Oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> um, how, how old are you and, uh, and what kind of work are you in now? So I'm 30. 
Okay. And uh, just like anyone, and you under, read the chronicle. And I read the chronicle. Shout I'm out a, for we that, love man. You. God bless you. Regular, you can do no wrong now. Yeah. If you like, admit to a murder now during this <laughs> podcast, we're like, he's thirty and reads the chronicle. Heather, <laughs> he's all good. I'm one of those weird thirty year olds that actually subscribes to newspapers too. Physical newspaper. Well, I okay. I couldn't keep up with the Sunday Times, but no, I subscribe to the Post and the Times nice. and. KQED, and I like to think that I'm the person that's like single handedly keeping all of these places afloat. Oh, you are. Because that's what I just imagine in my head. <laughs> you are. Um, you. But no, I, I, I'm, I'm 30 uh, and subscribe to the Chronicle. And uh, just like anybody under 35 that seems to live in the city, I do work for a tech company. Oh, so you're the one who's ruining San Francisco while I'm you're one, also saving our jobs. I am ruining San Francisco, but I'm, I'm, practicing trickle-down economics. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and you mentioned marina. Um, you, you're actually a little bit active in the marina, correct? I, I am. I am on the Marina Community Association board. Everyone, join your local neighborhood association. Uh, whether you agree with them or not, you can help make a difference. How, that how, might be even more surprising that you're 30 and on your neighborhood association yeah, Who's board. the next, how old is the next <laughs> youngest person on your board? It's surprising. There's actually a few people that are right about my age, uh, but wow. I think it's really because the marina attracts a certain group of people that essentially look at the neighborhood this, or kind of live in the neighborhood the same way that homeowners do, even when all of us can only afford to rent. I feel great, like, knowing young engaged people like you are i'm sounding like my dad right now <laughs> but um and then and then you're a walker too i i am always on foot do yes you, do you come from a family of walkers or when did the walking start oh when did the walking i actually think the walking started weirdly enough when i got a fitbit and i just was like i need to do something physical um i was not moving very much in my job uh and i was eating terribly and you know that point and I think we all hit it where you're in your mid-20s and your metabolism just decides to rebel against you (laughs) and you realize it just gets worse it gets it keeps getting worse exactly and you realize that you can't not be active and eat like crap yeah (laughs) and also if you have a few drinks it affects you so much more the next morning oh no it is brutal yes uh Children that are listening, beware. Uh, it's going, drink it's, your alcoholic it, beverages it now. It just gets worse. Yeah, <laughs> Two drink maximum is the, the rule that I now take to all the bars. So what was like your first big walk? Sometime around 2016, uh, when I first started to actually get more into walking, I, I got a Fitbit and I just got really excited about like, okay, how much can I do? And so at one point, I just decided, all right, I'm going to see what I can do like in a day. And so I got up. I got up at like 8 a.m. and just kind of started walking and, um, I, you know, did the Lion Street steps and then decided to walk all the way out to Ocean Beach. And really, it was kind of how I started to fall in love with San Francisco again, because it gave me this way to see all these neighborhoods where I wasn't just blowing past them in a car or in a bus. So back when I first moved to the city, I had a car and, and a friend and my, uh, my friend and I, every Saturday morning at 8am, he would call me and we would, I'd drive down and pick him up. And then we would just pick a neighborhood on the map that neither of us had gone to. We'd drive there, we'd park and we'd find a place to have breakfast. Hmm. And then we'd just walk around the neighborhood just to see what it was like. And once I got rid of my car, all of a sudden that part of my life just kind of fell off. And when I got into walking, it gave me that opportunity to start to kind of explore those neighborhoods again. And that's when all of a sudden I started to go to places like the outer Richmond and, and see Balboa, which is this amazing 
beautiful neighborhood with this incredible theater and Marlowe's Bakery, which are some of the best uh, bagels in the city. As you know, we're big fans of the Balboa Theater. Oh, it yeah. was the home of our first Total SF movie screening. Exactly. Slash bagpiping extravaganza. <laughs> and we're, we're so. big fans, too, of the random, um, just kind of discovering the city randomly. Yeah. Um, it, it really starts to break down a bunch of the stereotypes of the city when you're not just going to the same three places. Well, and I think that was... I think another thing that really struck me was I remember a friend came up from the suburbs and she had never really spent much time in the city. And, and she said, Oh, so, you know, you pretty much do the same things here that you could be doing down in Cupertino or Mountain View. And I said, no, 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 that's not true. And she goes, well, you just, you know, you, you get in a car and you go to work and then you take a car home, uh, you take it to a bar, you go to the gym, you go home. And I remember it really struck me because I thought, I don't want that to be my experience. You know, if that's the case, then how is living in San Francisco any different than living in, you know, suburban Chicago or living in Cleveland or living in any other part of the country, you know, any place named or unnamed. And so I kind of really rededicated myself to what can I do to really experience the things that are unique to this place as opposed to just, you know, whatever I could do anywhere else. So instead of kind of living that life of, you take an Uber to work and then you take an Uber to a bar and then you take an Uber to a workout class. Maybe you reverse that order because it's, it's <laughs> a little tough. Be drunk exactly. <laughs> uh, and then you take an Uber home and you never really experience anything that's any different than what you could be experiencing really anywhere else in the U.S. I agree. I make a point of doing new things um, as much as I can in the city because otherwise, why are we paying so freaking much to live here? Oh, know? Exactly. Yeah, and it's and obviously the you know cost of living is just astronomical. Um, so if you're really willing, if you're if you're going to be spending that, it shouldn't just be so you can have a high paying job. It should be so you can really experience the amazing things that that this part of the country and, and this city particularly have yeah. to offer. So when did you first hear about the forty nine mile drive? So I saw the signs growing up, and I always just thought they were this weird sign. It was one with of these the things seagull. with the seagull exactly. I I kind of liked the sign. For some reason, there's something. It's very iconic. It's very like mid-century, which is something that I've always really loved. And then in the back of my mind, it just it got sorted with like the doggy diner heads, where it was like, oh, that's a weird thing. That's just something that exists. And so uh, I realized that it picked up near my apartment. And so I at one point started to kind of look into it. I was like, huh, this is something interesting that I'm not familiar with. A lot of people doing or even really knowing about. So I wonder what it is. And that's when I first kind of looked at it and and started to look up what it was. And then I just kind of like sorted it away. It was just one of those things where I was like, oh, that's that's something interesting. That's something that I probably won't ever think about again. But <laughs> but those signs are cool. And so I went to I went down to Three Fish Studios, um, which is a, a art gallery, yeah. an art studio out in the the outer Sunset. That's a very total SF place. If you haven't been there, Peter, they sell great, like iconic California and San Francisco artwork. And they sell the 49 mile scenic drive posters. So we learned that um, the 49 mile drive is celebrating its 80th anniversary this year. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I dug through the archive as I'm want to do and uh, found you? The, Yeah. I found the very first article from May 21st, 1938. Uh, very small, page three two paragraph sf scenic drive planned here's the article blue and gold triangle signs marking a 
49-mile scenic drive through San Francisco will be installed by the Downtown Association. That's two words, down and town. <laughs> Association within the next two weeks. Designed especially for fair visitors and delegates to summer conventions, the drive will begin at the City Hall and end on Treasure Island. Included in the route are shopping and hotel districts, Automobile Row, Financial Section, Chinese and Italian Quarters, Telegraph Hill, Fisherman's Wharf, Aquatic Park, Presidio, Flyshacker Pool, RIP Flyshacker Pool, uh, Lake Merced, Twin Peaks Residential Sections, <laughs> Golden Gate Park, the United States Mint, shout out San Francisco Chronicle across the street, and the Bay Bridge. Um, so yeah, the, the the fair, the 1939 World's Fair. Right. So it was created just before the fair, it sounds like, if that was from 38. Yeah, it was, yeah. And, and there was definitely, there was a little bit of pride around it at the time. Uh, you'll notice, by the way, that it mentions Fisherman's Wharf there. Now that's before Fisherman's Wharf as we know it, which I believe was built in the 70s. So I think it was created by, um, you know, Chamber of Commerce type people in San Francisco who wanted to get attendees of the World's Fair to drive into the city and then patronize all of their businesses. Yeah, very heavy on the, um, I'm, I'm looking at the map. We actually published the map, a, a really beautiful artistically drawn map, and um, very heavy on the west side of the city and weirdly ended at Treasure Island, which was where the World Fair was. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't walk to Treasure Island, yeah. so... You look at it, is 49 miles, is that a lot for you? I did I did 30,000 steps at Disneyland once, and I, like, wanted, like, a medal ceremony. How many like, miles Like, at that? the end of Star Wars. I don't know. It was, like, maybe eight, eight or nine miles. But, <laughs> but, um, it was a little bit intimidating, but there was this weird thing in the back of my head that I had wanted to do since I first read about it. It was called the Kennedy March. And so what it was was when JFK first became president, he rediscovered this thing that Theodore Roosevelt had pushed, which was the idea that every member of the armed services, and in his case specifically the Marines, should be able to march 50 miles in 20 hours. Which, sure, when is there a time when you'll be doing that besides World War One? You know, which, <laughs> retreating through <laughs> retreating through France. I don't know. It happens in a Hemingway novel. That's all I know. But he decided that he was going to push this on all the Marines. And so it then kind of caught on in the early 1960s as just something that people did. And so there were all of these Boy Scout troops that were publishing how long it was taking for them to do it. And you're imagining these little eight-year-olds with packs, you know, just kind of going. And I thought, I always wanted to do 50 miles in a day. And so that's when I kind of brought that together with the 49-mile scenic drive because I said, I want to do 50 miles in a day, but I don't really know where I can go where I can do 50 miles in a day. And I thought, well, there's a part of me that really wants to do this 49-mile scenic drive too. So what if I just combine the two and I try and do a full and 50 miles? And then tack miles. on an extra mile at the end? Tack on, yeah. So <laughs> what date did you actually do this? So I did this uh, July 5th. Um, the day after the 4th of July, which is always a great time to do anything in San Francisco because There's nobody, here. nobody is here. I got dim sum. I was like at the Chronicle and I biked in and there was no one here. It was post-apocalyptic, like nothing. I'm, I'm getting dim sum today. I'm not going to have to wait for dim sum. So where do you start? So I started at my own apartment, which was at Chestnut and Divisadero. Okay. And is that actually on the route? It actually is, surprisingly. Wow. Yeah. And we, That's very convenient. It was very convenient, yes. We should mention this is a different route than the 1939 There's route. been a few yes. permutations. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't go up 
Van Ness any longer. It, it goes in front of Civic Center instead. And uh, they've taken out the Treasure Island jaunt because that is not something that you can reasonably walk. And uh, I'm not really dying to walk on the Bay Bridge <laughs> at any point in my life, but especially right now. Yeah, you're going to be like a meme on Twitter yeah. if you start walking down. I the could Bay get one Bridge. of the bird scooters. Yeah, I've, I've seen people do that. Yeah. I plotted it out so that I would actually be able to go to some of my favorite spots on the way. So I made sure that I was going to be able to have my favorite breakfast sandwich at Devil's Teeth right around breakfast time. So I made sure that I left. So I'd hit that somewhere between, you know, 7.30 and 9 Uh Mm a.m. And then I was able to get lunch at a taqueria in the Mission, um, which was also kind of like perfect timing for that. Uh, But no, there wasn't a lot of just doing the touristy things that I – are fun, but not necessarily the the purpose of the whole. Did you thing. actually get to sit down and eat? Because Peter wouldn't let me do that on Total Muni. Oh, yeah, really? but we made it. <laughs> you <laughs> we did, made you it. Did, and you barely made it too, right? Because right. didn't you have we to jump on the two at the last minute? Barely made it. Yeah. Jumped on the two at the last yeah. minute, and like and like our entire executive team is waiting <laughs> at the Giants, wondering where we are. And they'd already eaten all the food and drank all the good beer. Yeah, it's oh, totally messed up. That yeah. is messed up. They should have at least saved you one or two. We got a Coors Light. Yeah. We got up at, we got up at uh, 2.30. Yeah. I thought that was impressive. Or two, how, maybe. How, how early did you have to get up for this, and what was that alarm feeling like? So, got out of the house at 5.40, because I always have to make a cup of coffee before uh-huh. I leave. Oh, yeah. You, know, you got to shower, make yeah. a cup of, you know, be a civilized person civilized w- yeah. while you're walking your yeah. 49 miles of course i have this cup that doesn't have a lid on it so i'm just spilling coffee all over my hand <laughs> in the cold morning uh but yeah i started at 5:40, and uh according to uh, my fitness tracker it says something like six hours and 40 straight minutes which is to say or 16 hours and 40 straight minutes which is to say that i did not sit down long enough for it to decide that i was done being active okay mm-hmm. so i did sit down yeah, two or three times for probably about 15 minutes each. Yeah. Nice. So you started in the marina. Which way did you head? So I started in the marina, and what I wanted to make sure was that I was actually hitting most of uh, my favorite parts of the city, uh, Soma and the Tenderloin in the light. So <laughs> so I decided that <laughs> I was going to go. Yeah, so I decided I was going to go west. And so I, I, I went... Uh, into the Presidio, which is always lovely. And I only had one run in with a coyote while I was in there. So that was totally fine. How close Sweet. was the coyote? Yeah. Um, I would say it was about 10 feet away. Oh, and wow. then it kind of walked up on a berm and stalked me a little bit. And then I think it was about as scared as I was. So it went running the other direction. If, if we do this, would you recommend like bringing dog treats or something? How, how do you confront a coyote? I don't know. I haven't looked it up. They don't like people. So yeah. you just okay. you just kind of stand there and... They're fine with it. But right. yeah, I wouldn't bring dog treats. I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't want them to get any closer. Okay. Yeah, so I, so I did that, and, and I went into the Presidio, and then I went down to Fort Point, which was a place I used to go all the time as a kid. Um, in fact, uh, I will spill my dad's secret. It was his go-to first date introducing, introducing women to his son sort of spot. So we have all of these. There's a drawer somewhere at our home where there's all these photos of like me with different women from the first time that he went out and like decided to see how they would handle being in the city with his kid. Um, but so we went to, Fo- I went to Fort Point and then you actually have to backtrack uh, quite a bit and then go up and go down Lincoln Boulevard. And I decided that instead of Lincoln Boulevard, I was going to actually walk the trail along the water and, and go to Immigration Point and see some of the 
more beautiful aspects of the city. And it's an incredible place to be when the sun is coming up. Because first of all, when I'm in the Presidio, there was a giant cruise ship coming through and they slow down because they know the sun's coming up and they're going underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and they want to give everybody the chance to take that photo. So all of a sudden I see all these, you know, it's six in the morning and I'm seeing all these flashes from people's phones going off as they're trying to take photos. And then when you're on the west side of the bridge, looking back at it, so looking east at it, it's in, you know, the sun's starting to come up. It's just this incredible view and just this incredible thing. And then you're actually looking out at the ocean, which, you know, all of us are so accustomed to the bay, but you're staring out at, you know, the beautiful sea and, and all of these different spots. And there's all these amazing plaques kind of along Lincoln Boulevard that tell you what you're looking at and point out where there used to be a lighthouse. And now there's just a stand or where there might have, where there are shipwrecks because the lighthouse wasn't always there and didn't always work. <laughs> Uh, I always love looking at the Golden Gate Bridge from when you're west of it because mm-hmm. almost every view you see um, in pictures and postcards is from the other direction. So exactly. It's always like a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. So then you then you start to head down into Seacliff, which is always fun. Uh, beautiful homes, obviously. Uh, and then you head up towards the uh, the Legion of Honor, which... Beautiful. Beautiful building. It really is. And on the backside, there actually is this little spot where I want to say there are little busts as well. And nobody goes, nobody huh. ever goes back there because, you know, it was actually, it used to be the beginning of the, or the end of the Lincoln Highway, which was the first transcontinental highway. The first transcontinental highway started somewhere in Maryland. It's like roughly I-80, but not quite. And then ended at the Palace of, or the Legion of Honor. And there actually are these, if you look around the city, there are these tiny little medallions that are red, white, and blue that have Lincoln's profile on them that point you in that direction. There's one at at Geary and Park Presidio um, that's just really cool. But It's smart to um, walk to the Legion of Honor because it's notorious for cars getting broken into. Exactly. Which was actually something I thought about as I was walking up there because I was looking around for the glass on the ground. And they're doing a pretty good job of patrolling it now, but it's definitely still... Not the not the ideal spot uh, for that. So as you're doing this, it's mm-hmm. you're going down the beach and then around. It looks like uh, the golf clubs and uh, Lake Merced and up. Did, is it making sense to you? Are you like this is this is the way the 49 mile drive should be? Or are you starting to become a little bit of a 49 mile scenic drive critic? You know, I I have long been a critic of the 49 mile scenic drive. The truth is, I have not spent a lot of time in the Lake Merced area. I just haven't. I, I, I haven't had a reason to be down there. And it is beautiful down there. So it actually, it's a nice addition. Um, but I will say that going all the way down the Great Highway. Did and that get going, a little repetitive? Because that's a oh, really long stretch. dear. Yes, it did. Uh, but the fun thing about walking up Sunset Boulevard is you get to see some of the most interesting people. Um, <laughs> there was one guy that was outside of his house that had a fire inside of an oil drum, which I thought was really interesting. And then he was wearing some sort of of traditional, uh, I don't want to call it a costume because I don't want to be insensitive, but he was wearing some sort of out traditional outfit and he had like a bell and he was ringing it and doing like a traditional dance. And I was thinking there are so many violate like health code and all sorts of violations going on here. Like San Francisco, we have definitely banned burning things in oil canister, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, in oil drums outside of your house. Like 
if we've banned straws, we've banned that. So I was like, oh. Maybe I, not, though. I, I guess <laughs> it's true. We, we haven't banned have. injecting drugs into your body parts in public. <laughs> yeah. so that is true. Know. That is true. Um, so, yeah, it, you start to kind of wonder, does this make a lot of sense as a route? And the thing about going down the Great Highway and then going up Sunset Boulevard is you're missing all of the things that make the sunset that wonderful, interesting neighborhood that it is, uh, be it architecturally or just the sort of people and the food and the culture that does exist out there. That's what I'm thinking, like a modern 49 mile scenic whatever. Um, I feel like like I want to, if I'm going through the sunset at all, I want to go by the Riptide Bar. You know, I mean, there's certain things that they've included almost for legacy's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think people would complain that much if they didn't get to see Lake Merced. And I used to, I fished there with my grandmother when I was a little kid. I have, I have close emotional ties to Lake Merced, but I don't feel like you're missing out on anything if you don't see a golf course in Lake Merced. Oh yeah. There's a certain point where you're just walking and staring at a golf course on one side and you're not that close to the lake to begin with on the other. Yeah. And you start to walk past the pistol range for the SFPD and you start to hear gunshots and you're like, I don't know that I should be here right now. But I did run into a bunny, which was not something I had ever seen in San Francisco before, like a wild rabbit. Huh. Uh, and all of these German tourists were pointing at it and saying rabbit in German, which was really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So what time was it when you were down there? Oh, I think I was down there somewhere around 9.30 or so. So, it, you know, it took some time to get there. And mm-hmm. we're already talking about we're over 10 miles at that point. So then once you come back up Sunset Boulevard, you go through Golden Gate Park? That's when you go through Golden Gate Park. And that is uh, fine. Yeah. Golden Gate Park. Fine. Pa- just fine. That mean? seems like, like the centerpiece. But no? Golden Gate Park is beautiful. I love Golden Gate Park. I love going through it. But that's when you hit the first wall. And you're just going, gotcha. oh, there is, you're like, oh, more grass. Okay. I guess there's another meadow. Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're walking through Golden Gate Park and the streets aren't that well marked within Golden Gate Park, nor is the, the entire 49 mile scenic drive is not that well marked because people love to steal the signs. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. So people love to steal these signs and... That's, I didn't steal one, but I will say that I have definitely scoped out over the last 10 years places where I could. And apparently they only are put back up if someone calls the city and says, hey, this sign is gone. So there are people that have these signs. So the city's in charge of the sign? The city's in charge of the sign. Well, that's why. Yeah, Um, (laughs) exactly. They should get those um, double decker, like Bart. turnstiles oh, that they're yeah. getting to prevent <laughs> sign steals. So that you just, get beheaded if you right, try Just to surround them. each of the signs with that. <laughs> <laughs> it might be expensive. But. You, you can definitely tell the ones that are in neighborhoods tend to be the ones that haven't been stolen because, yeah. you know, getting out that axe at, at you know, or, the, or that, that saw at just the right time is probably not, uh, not ideal and there's going to be a neighbor that's going to call on it. But yeah. uh, um, <laughs> So Golden Gate Park, a little bit underwhelming, but then you get to Twin Peaks as you're talking about this, what you're walking, this is made for driving, the yeah. elevation changes. How is that? If I'm on a bike or if I'm walking, is this made for me? So we're older the, than you, by yeah, the way. That's so true. That this this is true. The elevation changes start to get a little bit rough. So Stanyon is where you start to really climb. And then you turn onto Parnassus. And Parnassus, you climb up to UCSF, which was where I made it last time before I stopped. And I thought, well, thank God, at least I'm at a hospital. (laughs) Um, But 
then you that's go- <laughs> probably going to be my actual reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then you hit seventh, and that's when it really does that climb. And seventh becomes Laguna Honda, and that's when you start to go, oh, this might be a little tough on a bike. But the truth is, it's not. There's no point where it's just straight up and down. It's not. It's the only place where you do start to see that is when you're in Knob Hill and you're on California Street. And they do that deliberately. I actually looked at their little map and they deliberately put the steepest street in San Francisco on their 49 mile drive. Like that's a destination we all want to go to. Which was a great feeling at about mile 40. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) As I went, this is the last hill. And then I got down. Got down to Ghirardelli and realized, oh, no, there's another one. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. You're no. never at your last hill. You're never at the last hill. But no, you do this this nice climb. And, and what's really neat is is right around where 7th becomes Laguna Honda, there's this beautiful little garden that's a community garden where you can learn how to garden. Okay. Uh, and it's got oh, this I know big, what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It's got this it's big sign It's near Clancy's pumpkin patch. Yeah, exactly. And so it's got this big sign there that says, learn how to garden here. And guess they teach classes and it's just it's another one of those things where you go oh wow this is something that's really cool and uniquely san francisco that i would miss if i was just blowing past this in a car sure right so then you you go up to the top of twin peaks <laughs> which is uh again fun and completely exhausting yeah, yeah. Uh, and then actually you go down and you do a weird thing well first when you're going down i decided there was no shoulder so i thought i would scramble and of course scrambling is a really terrible idea down a deer path because it started with the poison oak only being about oh shin high no. and then it was knee high and then it was suddenly it was did hip you hop. get poison oak? i did not get put po- i i i was wearing all birds and my all birds rest in peace um I don't. I can't wear them now. They have no tread left. But uh, the Allbirds did not have any traction whatsoever. So I'm just sitting there sliding into Poison Oak, and so I put on a sweatshirt and just slid into the Poison Oak, oh and pretty much slid my way down this hill. And meanwhile, somebody from, uh, you know, the the Parks Department drives up in a truck, and I think somebody must have called them on me. Yeah. Somebody must have said, "Hey, there's somebody that's trying to." you know, cut a half mile off by deciding to go down a hill instead of going down the switchbacks. Yeah. And so this guy's on the radio and he's kind of looking up at me and he looks down, he looks up at me and I'm just struggling. And this guy's just not moving or trying to help me at all. And I'm thinking, okay, come on, man, somebody give me a hand here. Like throw me a rope, do something. I keep falling into holes and all this. And I get to the bottom and he's just looking for something else. He just wasn't even, he t- I thought I'd get a tongue lashing. Guy turns around, drives away. I'm like, oh, great, okay. <laughs> I am not shocked to yeah, hear like, okay. that that was a city employee's response. Yeah. So then it heads over to Dolores Street. It does. It kind does. of bypasses a lot of the Castro. It does a weird thing where not only does it miss the Castro, but it misses really most of the mission. So Dolores Street is not, Dolores Street is in the mission. I will say that. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. It's in the mission. It is not the what defines the mission no. it is not the street that i think of when i think of the mission and it, i i think it's like if your parents tell you they're taking you to disney world and then all you do is go to epcot center that's how i feel like dolores street <laughs> like i love I, your metaphor I, see <laughs> i feel like it's a bit more your parents say you're going to disneyland and then they take you to knott's berry farm yeah <laughs> that's, that's true <laughs> so so you know you you do you get to go back past the park and it's it's a beautiful area but it's not what makes the mission the mission yeah right. and and so I really wanted to I wanted to see the mission I was down there as it was and I wanted to get a burrito and 
There aren't any good burritos on Dolores Street. There is a Whole Foods, though. So and, I guess and Heather that's and nice. I have talked about this, like what is and what isn't a tourist place. And I try not to take tourists to Fisherman's Wharf, but very, very frequently, I'm going to take tourists to the Castro District. I'm yep. going to take them to the Mission District. And they want to go there because of history and pop culture and th th those are places that should be seen so as we're identifying flaws in this that to me is a huge one. Oh yeah no you you absolutely need to go down mission street yeah at some point when you're going through the and mission and you gotta go down castro past the rainbow flag exactly the theater. you can go down castro. Camera yeah. shop. Yes. you go down yeah. castro you cut over at 18th and then go down mission i mean yes. that's I, I i think that's a no-brainer yeah so winding around, I see a long stretch on Scissor Chavez. Sometimes it looks like they just got bored <laughs> and uncreative. Yeah, so, so what's funny about it is you can, when you actually look at the map, you can tell that there's a lot that was just added to just add miles. Yeah. So for instance, you completely go around Stowe Lake. Mm -hmm. No Stowe Lake. No, you... you, you no, the whole thing. You go all the oh, way oh, around it. You go all the way around it. Around yes. it. You go all the way like around Stowe. Yes, it. just to yeah. add some. Yeah, and so they did the same thing with Cesar Chavez. You just you go all the way down there, and you just turn left and you walk for like. That is not a scene. Two miles. Oh, it was. Cesar Chavez is not a fun place to walk. No. I will tell you. You, you go there by was, where they filmed MythBusters. So oh, there's, there's oh that is thing. that's great. There's yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm walking down Cesar Chavez, and one guy gets off his bike and starts having an episode and harassing me. And I, for a second there, I went, "This is not the best place for this to happen," but oh, I'll be all right. And I was fine. But yeah. yeah, it's it's not that exciting. And then it actually goes up 280, which is oh. really frustrating. Yeah, exactly. How did you walk on 280? Wait a second. So there's. There's parts of this that are on a freeway that yes. you just can't walk. Yeah, that is just sloppy. So, so I did Third Street instead because you know Third Street is nice. You go through dog patch. You're not you risking get, your you're life. You're not risking your life. You get to see the new Chase Center, which was something I hadn't seen yet. Uh, I'll I'll complete, and you know you can stop for some coffee. Um, you can go past uh, you know, what is it? The Minnesota Project. Yeah, is down there. Um, there's a couple of really exciting things in the dog patch. So uh -huh. it's always really. It's a nice area, and I was more than happy to do that. But that was right about the time when I decided that uh, I was going to need to wear flip-flops uh, instead of shoes. Yeah. Now, I, you said this a couple times, wearing flip-flops instead of shoes. How does that help you to walk? Because then is, the blisters on your heels aren't touching Yeah, anything. so you get blisters oh, on your heels. Okay. That's the thing about these long walks. So I brought two pairs of shoes, five pairs of socks, and a pair of flip-flops so that Good I tip. could swap through them as I was going. And sunscreen. Yes. That's the other one, sunscreen, a hat, sweatshirt. By the way, I got to tell you, like, I walked in here thinking, like, I might be able to, through your journey, yeah. talk Heather into doing <laughs> this with me. It's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Poison oak. Coyotes. Okay. The, the, coyotes. I have yeah, to say, the, 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 the poison oak and the coyotes, you don't have to get those. You know, the coyotes, if you do this during the day, you're not going to run into any coyotes. If you don't scramble down Twin Peaks, you're fine. I could actually, I could see a lot of people doing it. I think it should be a San Francisco rite of passage, to be honest with you. I do too, but I think um, one thing that I want to come out of this is I think we need a better route. This yeah. is oh. not, and, and, and it's 49, I know 49 mile scenic drive. It was created so people in their old Buicks could, you know, getting, <laughs> getting, getting four miles to a gallon could, could drive around the city. And I think now it should be, something that's walkable and bikeable. 
Yeah, well, we with do, that in mind, we we now we have not the new. Gonna keep the 280 if we make a new version. No, no. We now have that new Crosstown Trail, which is fun. Uh, and that, that does, I think, 15 miles, and it covers parts of the city that, that aren't usually traversed. Um, so it, it covers quite a bit of the Twin Peaks area, and I want to say that it goes from Ocean Beach uh, down to uh, Bayview-Hunters Point. So that's one new option. But the whole thing about the whole 49-mile scenic drive is, first of all, San Francisco... Not 49 square miles. No. Right? No. It's what, 46 or 46, 47? 47. Yeah. Uh, and I understand there's the 49 miles that goes with, you know, the 49ers, which but they're not even in the city. They aren't even in the city. Or, oh, I was thinking more the 1849. Oh, I was more than the football team. Yeah. But I know they're forgotten. <laughs> yeah. And so th- there, there's something to the 49 mile aspect of it, but you could definitely do something that would be a bit more of a celebration of the city yeah. uh, and that would actually be able to hit some of the the more interesting areas i mean there's so much history along this route yeah like i'm somebody who's and i I look at myself as an amateur historian uh all my friends would tell you how often i bore them with these stories and there's so many cool things along the route that you could point out and that you could just make part of it also besides like merced it pretty much skips the entire like bottom third of the city oh completely yeah there's nothing that it even gets close to touching down there, which yeah, is Bernal Heights. I think is like is great. Yeah, it's, I, I'm I think biased, should, but I love Glen Park and the canyon. Should yeah. be looking at views too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places that have fantastic views, and I feel like they're designing it a little bit for where can you spend money and what's going to be near your expensive hotel that's downtown. I would say maybe swing by City College and see the Diego Rivera murals, which are I, open most of the time. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, and there's you know there's also just some incredible architecture throughout the city that you don't even get to see or touch upon. Uh, yeah. Well, well, bringing it home, you mm-hmm. you came up um, once you get off the freeway. Once right? you get off the freeway, <laughs> yeah. freeway, you're you're in front of AT and T Park, and there was I a Giants game. That's, oh, that's great. Cool. I think it's yeah. nice that they added that. That was something that certainly was missing from the original one. Well, I want to note that the current version takes you on a pretty much the worst stretch of summer. Oh, you it's could so lovely. Walk it's on. yeah. So Howard that, Street between yeah. First and. What is that, ninth? So when I got to the ferry building, I had to put on closed-toe shoes again, even though my feet weren't really accommodating, because I was not about to walk through, walk down Howard Street and walk through the Tenderloin uh, with open-toed shoes. It just was not going to happen. So you get to walk down Howard Street, which is just so much fun. (laughs) I I bike down it every day, and it's like great because it's got a bike lane, but that's it. Well, there's no... I don't don't enjoy it. It was nice because it was a Friday, and there was no one on it because it was the 5th of July and so nobody was at work and so nobody was down there but it's just not not a pleasant street Um, and then you you pop up to civic center and then you go over to japantown which is a fun little completely unnecessary jaunt i love japantown but you go a mile both directions you do a u-turn just (laughs) just so you can see the japantown center uh and then you go into uh, Chinatown, and you get to go through the Chinatown. Chinatown, we should keep. For oh sure. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when you got home, what'd you do? I sat. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing that I was I was thrilled to do. It's just finally. What time sit was down. it? I got home. I want to say it was nine forty p.m. So it was it was getting there. It was, it was getting late. Tell me but, that last half mile. I mean, yeah. is there anybody waiting for you? Have you been have you been on social media about this? So what's funny about it is I didn't I only told a few friends and I didn't really plan to post about it. And there was this 
idea in the back of my mind that, okay, well, if you don't post about it and you give up, Nobody no one will know. Um, but then I we don't have that luxury. Yeah, you don't have that luxury. <laughs> that's true. So I decided to see it through, and and I was starting to tell friends that you know friends started to text me going, so where are you? And I was sending them like screenshots of my Fitbit to be like, here's where I am. Here's, here's are they where. like concerned or are they looking for an update? There was it was a little bit of both. Yeah, like there was okay. genuinely some like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why did you? And and I started to think that at a certain point too. Um, I, I was telling Heather earlier that as I was going up Twin Peaks, the bus that goes directly back to my apartment kept going past me every eight minutes and it was almost just taunting me like, <laughs> you could just cross the street and get on and no one would know and no one would be the wiser and in 35 minutes you'd be home yeah um, and so yeah there was a little bit of anticipation and when I got home one of my friends just immediately started harassing me he's like you've got to post about this you've got to post about this I'm like oh, you know it was just it was a thing I decided to do it it's not a big deal and he's like you got to do it you got to do it and so he convinced me he said uh on Saturday he said if you don't post about this I will I was like oh, fine all right <laughs> it's really exciting and I would love if more people got to experience it uh, because I do think it gives you a great view of the city and and large parts of the city that are underrepresented in, yeah. in the, the conversation about the city. Did you come away feeling like you love San Francisco more than you had? I think I did. Yeah, I think I realized how much the city that I don't often see. I spend quite a bit of time in the Richmond, um, but I'm not down in the sunset that often. And I'm definitely not down in Park Merced. And, you know, some of the things that I mentioned was you also you, you start to see some of the beauty of the city and, and you do start to see some of its warts. I mean, there are spots where wherever there isn't a parking, uh, some sort of residential permit area, you'll see campers parked or mm -hmm. people that are living in cars are parked there. Uh, the thing that I noticed the first time I did it and that I saw even more of this time was as you're going through, especially uh, right where the Presidio actually hits Seacliff, there are a ton of Uber drivers that park there um, and spend the night in their cars. And wow. that's that's how they're here the next morning because they can't afford to live in the city, but they'll drive in the city for three or four or five days a week. So I think we're going to do some kind of 49-mile scenic drive. We're going to cover it. And then what we're I'd like to do... Make our own version. Make our own version. So it'll be like research. And then we want to come back and make kind of a smarter, more... Modern. Modern a little bit less corporate version of it. Yeah. And then Heather and I will both get those seagull tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I did not agree to that part. Uh, maybe not. But um, <laughs> but I'd like to keep in touch with you. And yeah, absolutely. You can be like a consultant. I'm, I, I'm more than happy to help. I might even be willing to do it again. Okay. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. And, and it's important to us to have that expertise. Yeah. Um, this is an unpaid position. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. To Chronicle, uh, we appreciate your subscribing. Yeah. It's an internship. Yeah. Chronicle's doing okay, yeah. but we're still, you know, we don't have 49-mile um, uh, drive consultant money. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I just want to thank you for, for doing this. Um, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of finding random ways to rediscover the city and kind of give yourself a check. And it seems like that's kind of how you live your life, which uh, I think is super cool. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate it. It's, it was just a fun, quirky thing that I thought I could do just on the day after the 4th of <laughs> July. And, 
you know, it turned into something more than I expected. But no, I, I do. I, I, I hope that more people take the opportunity to really discover things about the city because I think that there's something special about living here. And I think that you really do, um, you have to make a conscious choice to be a San Franciscan. And they're, and to celebrate it. Rather and than to celebrate complain. it, exactly. You know, we're, we're not just here to, to live here for a short period of time. If you really want to be a, a San Franciscan, I think you really need to celebrate you know, everything, uh, the good, the bad, and everything in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think we all acknowledge that I put an asterisk by everything I say, that there are big, big challenges for San Francisco and there are things we need to fix and we've got battles ahead of us. But I almost think when that's happening, it's more important to check yourself and constantly remind yourself why it's worth fighting for. So, um, with that, uh, we will, uh, check out the 49 mile drive for ourselves and uh we'll get back together and uh let's see if we can uh have even more fun with this all right well thanks so much thanks for coming heather you look scared (laughs) (laughs) could you tell a little bit thanks for coming eric You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight and our guest, Eric Kingsbury. Our producer today is me, Peter Hartlob. Supervising producers are King Kaufman and Libby Coleman. Executive producer is Tim O'Rourke, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album, Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. Chronicle podcasts are on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com podcasts with an S. Well,